This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. I'm feeling a bit of a, of a sense of guilt today. Hmm. Like, it's not like a guilty conscience, like I did something wrong, but our book club, uh, Catherine. I'm kind of curious, Rum. Uh, you, you mentioned Amr's group, who we get comments from Amr often for our, our book club presentations at the end of the month. Oh, and <clears throat> by the way, folks, we aren't doing it next Tuesday. Already been done. So do check the podcast. Uh, if you were reading along with us, uh, had to make some scheduling changes. But going back to it, um, and, and those of you who haven't listened to our talk yesterday, you may or may not choose to at the moment. Um, did you guys comment on the book? Uh, you made a couple of remarks that people felt it was kind of like reading something from Shakespeare. Um, did you feel like I do today a little guilty, even though we certainly didn't give total thumbs down on the book? And, mm-hmm. and you know, but it was one of those times where we probably, I don't want to say did the book injustice. Maybe we made ourselves look silly because people listening said, you guys didn't even understand it. Who who knows? Yeah. And I mean, no, I don't feel guilty. The short answer, because uh, we've had a lot of book discussions on air, offline. And for me, especially on AMI audiobook review that I just can't hold back anymore. Kels can't be nice. Did Uh, you ever? See, I never yeah, felt I had I to hold back. At the beginning. Oh. At the beginning, I think I did. Oh. Just a little bit, it, especially if I didn't enjoy the book particularly or found it very difficult to get through and still had to make it through um, because, you know, it felt like uh, and if it starts feeling like an assignment, then I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I do think, though, that all being said, that it was a very insightful conversation because we took from it what we took from it and we all took away something. Yeah, for sure. And I think anyone wanting to read it, I, I hope that they got the impression that for us, it may have been a struggle to read. For other people, yeah. that doesn't take away from the possibility of the, of the actual enjoyment of it in that way. I mean, there's lots of books that I think, oh, I'll like that. It's it's police work, procedure. Oh, my goodness. And it's, yeah. it's again, like you say, a hard read. So hopefully, um, but I just today was like, hmm, and rethinking it, of course, as we started to do at the end of yesterday's show. But folks, we are on to today's edition of Kelly and Company, Wednesday edition. Let's take a look at what we've got for you on the program. Sleep is vital at any age and has been shown to improve learning, attention, memory, behavior, and overall mental and physical well-being. We're going to chat more about the importance of sleep uh, for youth, particularly with Margaret Eaton, National CEO, Canadian Mental Health Association. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, Also, we have the buzz with Bill Shackleton because it is a Wednesday. Uh, Folks, Mary Mammolini has something in mind for you, especially with September looming. Uh, She is going to be bringing ideas to us about what you might want to include in a care package for returning post-secondary school students. That conversation with her in Hour 2 right here on Kelly and Company. 
I'm going to get to some more food in a moment. But first, folks, there has been a major change in what's been allowed for uh, New York state prisoners. New York was one of the few states that still allowed people to send care packages to inmates from home, but that is being phased out. Officials say it's to keep contraband and illegal drugs out of prisons. Packages can only be sent through third-party vendors. Critics argue it will raise the cost for families and will limit access to fresh fruits and vegetables and other items inmates aren't usually able to get. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Wow. You, you know, you think so much as someone who doesn't know what people are able to receive, what it's like when mail comes for you or a package, how much of it do you get or how much do you have to share with everybody, you know, on the range or whatever. But uh, to know that, especially when you use an example like the fresh fruits and that, we we know health-wise there are people who are going to be in jail with health conditions and, you know, eating right, some of the other things that are necessary that these packages may contain might be quite helpful. And I'm sure, Rum, listing off things that were allowed to come in there, mm. we'd probably be surprised, but not at all surprised that somebody screws it up for everyone. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, that part of it for sure. But then, you know, it also feels like the conversations shift so much. Uh, the opinions, the biases, the, well, do they even deserve it? Like just brutal sides of conversations come up when we think, uh, you know, fair treatment of people in prison in general right like there's always that side of it too it's hard i find because the first thing i think about when i hear these stories is if i were in that situation well you know if my mom was still alive how would my mom feel getting a letter from the prison system saying listen you can't be sending that stuff for your son that that would just it would be bad enough um, the circumstance, let alone, I think of all the mothers, the the partners of people who who are in jail. All these things where you start saying, okay, okay, guys, yeah, they they did they they're committing they committed a crime. They're doing their time. Mm-hmm. Do we do we have to have those nasty conversations? And I'm sure there are people, you know, that you just you can't help. You know, hey, that person deserves nothing. But yep. um, it's just reality of being human and. I guess, being forgiving as, as much as we can. So it's a very interesting, sad to see this happen because um, I wonder what the full results will be. But also third party. So what's that? You can order something for them through Amazon? Wow. Uh, I guess. But I mean, I think it's almost like an excuse to just keep it still in the conversation. Um, but we're not really sure what that means, which makes me wonder if it's going to be implemented at all. It sounds because like somebody it, shook hands to me to get more business to Amazon exactly. or whoever. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a corporation. Assuming <clears throat> that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I know some places like that that do stuff like that. You know, oh my goodness. Uh, folks, some good news for the uh, American consumer anyway. Grappling with sky-high food prices, uh, the price of chicken wings has dropped. Just in time for the football season, the price of chicken wings, now an average of $1.68, the lowest monthly average since May of 2020, says the USDA, and down from a high of $3.25 in May of 2021. It's a huge deal for us just because our margins were so slim at that point. We kind of took the hit there. Matt Bound is the general manager at Fire on the Mountain restaurant in Denver, Colorado. We took the hit, really, for the three-year period, and now... um, will just be a slightly more profitable. Labor shortages at chicken processing plants due to the pandemic created soaring prices. Todd Ant, ABC News. Do you care? Now, and when I say that, I, I'm not saying because you don't like chicken wings or you love them. I'm saying it as there are those certain things we'll just pay whatever for. 
Yeah, that's true. And if you're eating out, like if you're eating chicken wings only at restaurants and pubs and sports bars, then you might notice this uh, maybe a little less because I find stuff is pricey anyway. Um, but how about if you're just buying, Kels? Like if you're buying chicken wings at the grocery store and prepping them yourself, you might be noticing a lot more uh, of this price decrease. Oh, I would I'm imagine curious. it's across the board, right? Yes. Like even if you buy Pinties or whoever, or if you're in a restaurant and, and want chicken wings, well, okay, they may not pass on the savings because they're still trying to recoup. No, that's what but I'm But I think mm-hmm. you're totally right. It's It's got to be the Pinty stuff you might buy or, or make up yourself at home by getting them there. So mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. And the wing lovers, it's really funny because all of us have our thing that we love and it doesn't matter. We just plug our ears, close our eyes and just pick up the package. I'm not seeing that price or hearing about it. Coming up next, folks, latest health headlines is uh, producer Jeff Ryman. He joins us as we get our Wednesday edition of Kelly and Company off and running. When you have a chance, check out the Accessible Media Inc. Facebook page. It's available to you. You can like it, see what's going on on there. Lots of stuff to read up on. If you want to follow AMI-audio on Twitter, at AMI-audio is the handle. That's at AMI-audio. Just follow along. You can see what's coming up on the live shows and interact, of course, with AMI-audio. Run me over there. She's at All Rams on Twitter. I'm at AMI-Kelly-Mac. Thank you very much, guys, out there for the follows. Appreciate it. And if you want to give us a call, 1-866-509-4545, leave a message, mention it's for Kelly and Company, and give us permission to use your message on air if you don't mind. Otherwise, we won't. 1-866-509-4545 is that number to call. As mentioned, Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program. Co-producer Jeff Ryman now joins us to talk health headlines. I'm Jeff Ryman with The Health Report. I bring you the latest studies, advice, and health headlines from major newspapers, magazines, and the Canadian press. Last segment, we were discussing the price of wings dropping. Jeffrey, you said you noticed it in the store almost by half. Yeah, I did. So a couple, I'd say about a month, month and a half ago, I picked up just a basic package of chicken wings. I'd say maybe like two, maybe three pounds worth for about $16, $18, somewhere in that range. Uh, the exact same package last week or last weekend was about half that price, around wow. $9. So I I have noticed, and uh, I'm going to have to stock up my freezer now. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen. And they didn't bill it as a sale, right? It was just a regular price. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just uh, the regular price. Like, there was no – I checked the flyers. I always check the flyers for anything that can sale in terms of meat like that. And, no, it was just the everyday price. Awesome. That's really good. Sir, where are we starting today? Yeah, we can start with some food as well. Um, if somebody brings you something, um, do you immediately ask for salt and pepper? Like, are you one of those? <laughs> no, people like, no. Quit it. Well, quit it. What the heck? <laughs> Have you been meeting with a medium or something like that? And my mother reached no out to you and said, Jeffrey, you ask Kelly about his salt. No, yeah. I don't do that. I stopped doing that when I was... Yeah, I stopped doing that a long time ago. 
So Rum. just to contextualize, even before trying the yes. food for salt and pepper, go straight yeah, in with sure. extra salt. That, extra that's pepper. what I'm assuming. Sure. That, like, you know, when I used to white cap uh, them. Yeah, no, I would wait. Try a not even one bite. Try a few bites first because I am trying to um, acclimate to eating less sugar. Less okay, hold it, hold it. Both. So now you're doing that, but did you ever go through, just on my own curiosity? No, where you just no I just used to cook with so much salt anyways. Oh, okay. Like I just assumed stuff was salty. <laughs> Yeah, my 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 mom used to say to me when I was a kid that like she I'd start putting the salt on. She's I cook with enough of it. Don't. I know, but seriously, for we me, do cook with enough of it. Yeah, a lot of people do. Um, but for me personally, like after the meal has been brought to the table, you're just about to dig in. I'm like you, Rum. Like I will take a couple of bites if it needs a little salt and pepper. Then try. Sure, I might. Add a little bit, but there are some people like I have friends. Mm. Um, some of my best friends just love salt, and obviously, it's not I good do too, for you, but, but you can be, before, yeah. But before they even taste anything, they, yeah. they throw it on. Mm. Like, it, the, the one thing that, that I think is really funny is that my mom does it, and these same friends do it too. If they go and get fries from a fast food place they immediately add more salt to it and i'm thinking add salt they're to the salt. already salty like there's already salt on them you don't need any more but before they even try a fry they uh, put more salt on it like there are people out there like that um and it's kind of funny kind of weird and is there a meat you do that too not healthy um no i mean uh like rum said try it if it does need salt and pepper which in my case mm-hmm. is extremely extremely rare like i usually throw salt and pepper in as i'm cooking mm-hmm. uh exactly. rarely very rarely do i add any salt and pepper yeah i, I don't like i don't pork. add salt pepper i don't add salt to, to anything i cook now because i figure it's got it if it's something i've bought uh the more the, what i do is add garlic yeah Ooh, well i mean that that's, it's to fool me yeah yeah, yeah a you can bit. add other things, right? That is hopefully not making things worse. The thing with salt is most likely there's enough sodium in what you're whatever you're cooking, anyways, yeah. unless you've used absolutely all whole ingredients, no sauces, none of the, you know, packaged or canned or bottled stuff. And then you can assume that there's no salt in your food. And garlic powder, right? Yeah. Garlic powder. Yeah, yeah. Not the garlic yeah. salt. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So there was a new study that says you may want to hold off on putting that extra salt on. Like we all know we cook with salt. It's a given. Like food definitely needs salt, even though some things don't necessarily taste salty after you've salted it. It's just how the world of the culinary arts goes. Um, But there was a new study that said adding salt to your meal at the table is associated with a lower lifespan and a higher risk for early death. Now, this study looked at more than 500,000 people uh, in the UK and who responded to a questionnaire between 2006 and 2010 about their salt habits and the frequency in which they added salt to their food. So, Before you start revisiting all your favorite recipes, researchers were only looking at how much salt was added after the meals in question were cooked. So researchers found 
uh, that or followed up with participants about nine years later and found that more salt people or the more salt people added to their meals, the greater the risk of uh, early death. However, those people consuming high levels of salt could lower their risk by eating more fruits and vegetables. So there is sort of a bit of a counterbalance to that. Uh, furthermore, the American Heart Association recommends adults consume no more than 2,300 milligrams of salt per day, but notes the, quote, ideal limit is 1,500 milligrams per day. Consuming too much salt can raise blood pressure, uh, which can obviously turn into heart disease, stroke, kidney disease. Um, that is all from the what the Heart Association Association um, did say. So, do we know what the average know, is? The average consumption. It doesn't say. It does not That's say. That's what I'm afraid in of. This. I know it, it's really hard to track um, salt, especially um, from home cooking. Like obviously, in a packaged food, you can track the macros. It tells you just how much salt is in one serving. But if you're home cooking and if you have just family recipes that you just know off the top of your head, um, you know, a pinch could turn into two pinches or you just go to taste like you have really no idea how much uh, sodium you could be putting into your meals. So but it's just interesting to see that it's not the salt that goes into the cooking. It's more of the sodium after it's already been served. So if you're one of those people who, like I said, like to add salt to just about everything, you may want to think twice about that. Mm. Yeah, I I think that there's just um there's just so many years or habits, I guess, of us eating so much salt. Um it's in everything and let's just be honest, you go into a grocery store and you're more, more likely you know, perusing through or picking up salty stuff than not salty stuff. It's the same conversation with sugar, right? Like mm. we're just, it's just everywhere. So we honestly have to um, step away from the, even the default marketing in order to, to feel like you're eating healthy. And salt is a funny one because for years, of course, as a preservative to protect food, to make it last, everything like that, on top of taste, it became the baseline. So the, having it very much over what we need was a baseline. And then we're adding more to it because, of course, we defeat, oh, I can really taste this salt. The only time you can really taste salt is when you've been off it, when you've quit it for quite a while. So yeah. uh, it's really a, a hard thing for a lot of people. And yet, um, like Julia Carranch has said on our program, we don't want to get to where we make it a villain. It's our mm. use of it and how we yep. have to look and realize is it already there because our bodies need it? And also, yeah, like it, on that note, Jeffy, um, the you don't want to get to the point where you've eaten so much salt for so long that now because of blood pressure or in my dad's case, diabetes, uh, they're saying cut salt altogether. Like cut salt for, you know, even testing purposes, right? Like um, there was one week where my dad had to be absolutely sodium free. And that was so difficult because, you know, mm -hmm. instead of taking it upon ourselves to just eat less salt or, you know, reduce it or eliminate it altogether when we can, we just continue our lifestyles. And then worse comes to worse, you have to cut it out regardless. Yeah, well, it really is to go cold turkey because I feel like just yeah. about everything you buy 
buy in the store has salt in it. Um, but like I said, there are sort of ways to counterbalance that and eating fresh fruit and vegetables is one way to go. And actually one of the dietitians in this um, article, she wasn't involved in this study that was in the UK, but she is a, a registered dietitian and she recommends cooking at home. Obviously, I mean, if you go out to restaurants, uh, you really have no control over how much salt is being put into it. And then maybe even after the fact, um, there, there could be some sort of garnish on top that could uh, add to that sodium level. So cooking at home is definitely one of those ways where you have more control over that salt shaker uh, while you're making that meal. Um, and also, like I mentioned reading the ingredients on your products, um, substituting in herbs in spice blends without mm -hmm. salt. I think you guys sort of hit that already with, you know, maybe instead of adding salt and pepper to your corn on the cob, maybe you just go with pepper. I mean, it, it still tastes great if you want to cut down on that sodium. Um, garlic could, could, could definitely be any herb and spice that you want. Uh, could definitely help here with that sodium intake. Um, and then the processed foods, um, that's probably the big one. I know it's usually quick and easy. Processed foods are a whole other beast in itself in terms of health and how it's pretty much unhealthy for you. But those things, um, any sort of processed food is typically just loaded with uh, excess salt. So Again, just just be cautious. Read those labels. Um, buy foods that you know. There are some things that say reduced sodium or reduced salt on it. Um, you know, it still tastes good. You might not even notice that there's less salt in certain things. But uh, just be mindful of what you're purchasing, what you're putting in your body. And again, read those labels. And again, you can potentially lower that sodium take. I, I know it's hard. I know it is really hard. Um, but it's definitely doable uh, if you put in the time and effort. Well, and unfortunately, we have too many things like high blood pressure that run whether you're good with salt or not, but we do know that if you're not so great with it, there you go, that thing that adds to it. Uh, and, and you just don't want any of that stuff going on. It's, it's so tough because you don't want to vil villainize it, but you also got to be smart with it and think, hey, I like this mm -hmm. kind of food, fries, I don't need to add to it. But it's amazing how your brain can be fooled and you think, these fries are so bland without some salt added. Yeah. It's just what you're used to. Yeah, it really does become a very strange... Uh, salt just seems to have that weird effect that way. Ah, love it. Anyway, uh, Jeffy, thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> See you guys later. Jeff Ryman, co-producer on the program. On Wednesdays, he brings us health headlines... He just salts the uh, segment with a bunch of information. <laughs> on uh, Fridays, he's back with Lifestyle. We'll talk to him then here on the program. And I think he's got a what in the world on the pro sh uh, schedule this week, too. So we'll hear from him next soon. Coming up, Greg David, and we reach into the vault and play a previous segment with him. Stay tuned.
this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. Engaging guest on the pulse as uh, this Saturday uh, they conclude their three-part series profiling this year's uh, inductees into the Disability Hall of Fame. This week, Joey talks to Greg Westlake, who is one of the uh, world's best para hockey players out there. And that's the pulse, folks, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, right here on AMI-audio, also available as a podcast. Ramya and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Well, Ram, usually we get a chance. I beg your pardon? Oh, no. Oh, I think you're getting a little hoarse. Gee, I, I voice problems. Boy, you must be karaoke again or something. Um, July 13th, folks, uh, Greg David joined us on the program, and we talked about the importance of police shows on TV with him. Uh, we're going to reach into the vault and take a listen to this. To start off today's segment, we're headed back in time to talk about primetime TV programming from the past. What's the date and what shows were on at this particular time? <laughs> what are we looking at, Greg? Sunday? What do I see here? <gasps> wow, Sun- July 4th. S- yeah, Sunday, July 4th of 1982. And as always, thank you for having me on to talk about TV. Uh, 7 p.m. on Sunday, July the 4th of 1982. So Greg was 11 years old at the time. At 7 p.m. on NBC, it was an animated special called Animal Olympics. And I can't believe mm. that I've never heard of this because it's about this fictional zoo network that covers the Olympic Games at Paw Print Stadium, featuring nearly 100 animal newscasters and athletes. And this features some names from the past and today, actually. Billy Crystal, Harry Shearer, and the late Gilda Radner all lent their voices to the different characters in Animal Olympics. Now, obviously, Ramya, you would not have remembered this at all. But Kelly, what about you? No, no, that wouldn't have. <laughs> Kelly wouldn't have even entertained this. What <laughs> I look at this is it probably. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> the irony is he's probably more familiar with who was in this, but I was yeah. probably more likely to have watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, what I think it was, Greg, <clears throat> going on my TV kind of recollections, is I believe this was a summer fill, and I don't know if it's when Voyager was off. For, no, I, there was something I'm trying to remember that was on NBC at uh, 7 o'clock on, uh, back in that era, um, and this, I think, was the summer fill for about eight weeks, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Okay. You know, you're probably right about that because, again, like this is prime. This is Greg watching TV a lot, and I don't remember this this one at all. But I do remember what I was on. I don't even remember turning eight... it off, which is what I would have done. Well, exactly right. Uh, I do remember what was on at 8 p.m. on NBC, yes. and that was Chips. And this show, Ramya, is about California Highway Patrol motorcycle officers John Baker and Frank Ponch. Poncherello as they cruised the freeways of Los Angeles, solving crimes and helping people in trouble. Um, a late, a, like a really lighthearted cop show that I think honestly was probably gauged more to kids, especially when the show um, went through the roof. It skyrocketed and and propelled Eric Estrada and Larry Wilcox, who played the two main characters, into megastars. You could buy like the action figures. Uh, it really was a huge show, and the two characters, the two leads, actually reported to um, their captain, and their captain was played by Robert Pine, who mm-hmm. is. Chris Pine's dad, 
So there's a little bit of a, re, uh, you know, a reach back, a pass between present and past. But I was all in on chips. My friend and I, I, I have brown hair and my friend had blue, had blonde hair. So we rode around on our bikes as Ponch and John. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Man. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing remember that with my buddies. Bell? And you rode side by side, right? Because yes. they rode side by side. You try to do that stuff and, and you oh just God. have such a great time. Uh, Gutrer, that was, uh, their boss, right? Um, yes, yes. Sergeant Gutrer. And the, <laughs> yeah. the best memory I have of this show, Ramya, it was in like season one or two of it. And they had, they pulled this guy over and he gets out of this small car and he's huge. And he started, they, well, we're going to ticket you for speeding. And when I say you, I, I mean, it, like, big build, like a football player, okay? Like an mm-hmm. NFLer. And he gets upset. They give him the ticket, and he's mumbling, and they're worried about him reaching over and shaking them. You know, you can tell they're, um, well, we, 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 we have to um, give, give you a ticket. So he walks back to the car, and he's, my mom's going to be so mad that I got. So he's, and then he starts pulling the car apart. He rips yes. the doors off. He trashes his car and he's upset. I'm so mad. <laughs> and they yeah. just watch it. Do you remember that, Greg? That was yeah, one of the I best. T- I do. And I feel like I need to Google this after we're done and check because I feel like it might have been Jaws from the James Bond movies that might have played the character that got yes. out of the car. I think you're right. Yes, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah so it, it was a riot. Yeah. And there were lots of car crashes. Uh, so everything to keep, you know, kids interested basically then, was, then of was, course was, as usual they changed the show enough by 82 it was starting to be a little more where they were detectives and it, it starts getting it a little more into where you start okay guys it's time to you know wrap things up yeah yeah uh the third show that i wanted to mention on this night back in 1982 at 9 p.m on nbc was a tv movie called terror at alcatraz and i'm bringing it up because it starred tom and dick smothers who are the brothers known for their satirical variety show, The Smothers Brothers, uh, back in the in the late 60s and early 70s. And the two of them play uh, a TV cameraman and a, and a reporter who are involved in the race to find buried treasure of Al Capone on Alcatraz Island at the former prison where Al Capone was imprisoned. So these are two brothers known for their comic chops in a dramatic TV movie. Needless to say, this was badly reviewed, but the other thing I wanted to mention is that it was written by Glenn A. Larson, and he was the guy that created those 80s shows like Magnum P.I., Knight Rider, The Fall Guy, BJ and the Bear. Like He was the guy in the 80s where if you were watching kind of action-packed, comedic um, programming on primetime television, it was probably written by Glenn A. Larson. He also wrote the original Battlestar Galactica. So you know, even though he created all those great shows, there was also this this blip on his uh, resume called Terror at Alcatraz. <laughs> wow. And that's when a lot of those TV shows would change because they said there was too much violence with all the car stuff and all the networks. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you started to see like uh, BJ and the Bear, Sheriff Lobo, all these shows disappear. And they were just suddenly gone just like that. Really yeah, I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember a show like Dukes of Hazard. The number of cars that they went through in car crashes. So, yeah, they would have run out of cars eventually if they hadn't stopped especially, making these uh, shows, especially of that model. <laughs> yeah, all the police cars too. Yeah, they always kept one for the collectors, though. Okay, any other ones that you want to do this day in history TV edition? No, I think we're. Uh, I think we'll. I'll You're have good? to pick okay. a date for the next. Yeah, the next time, and uh, and yeah, maybe find something that Ramya remembers. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. So something from the last five mid, years. Mid nineties. Exactly. Mid nineties. <laughs> yep. No cartoons, please. Turn of the century. Okay. So, 
You brought up Chips, uh, which was a popular series about the police officers working in L.A. That's a good point to start off with for the next part because the popularity of police shows like uh, Chicago PD, Law & Order SVU, FBI, NCIS, SWAT, uh, CSI Vegas, and The Rookie. I think there's like a bunch more. But these ones continue to be in the top 20 ratings in the United States in primetime TV. Can we talk about when all this started? Because this is a huge craze. Yeah, yeah. This is fascinating doing research into this. So police officers and other law enforcement types uh, have been part of the TV landscape for almost the entire history of television. The first TV crime fighters that showed up on TV was in the late uh, 1940s. And, you know, they can either be on a show like, you know, Bonanza, you know, playing Old West sheriffs. Up to the 21st century, you mentioned CSI Vegas and the and the forensic experts. So there's a wide range there in that window. But yeah, they've been around since the 40s, which is pretty surprising to me. Now, I always think of so many shows, whether it be the private detectives uh, that or, or a segue over to Dragnet and everything, especially for my old radio show, Craig. Yep. How popular have they become, Greg? This is crazy. So shows about police officers, detectives, and other law enforcers made up almost one-fifth of the scripted shows on network television in the 2019-2020 television series, a season, excuse me. Crime shows outnumber every other drama subgenre, so family dramas like, uh, you know, This Is Us, uh, medical shows like Grey's Anatomy. Uh, they outnumber them on the broadcast networks and are among the most watched series on TV. The NCIS franchise alone, I know that, you know, the three of us have talked about the longevity of that show. And when you look at the top 20 in the U.S., all three NCISs are in that top 20, as are the FBI's and the Law and Orders. Uh, so in 2019, 2020, there were 19 crime shows on the broadcast networks, which represents just under 20% of the 97 scripted shows that aired during the September to May season of 2019 to 2020. And that number stays pretty consistent year to year. And um, the reason that they're so prevalent is because crime dramas are also very popular. People are tuning in and watching them. Two of the longest running dramas, like I mentioned, are Law and Order and uh, NCIS, which is pretty crazy. And we've, you know, often brought up all the spinoffs when they're trying to greenlight new shows for network and all of them being uh, spinoffs of uh, stuff that's already popular and then, mm. you know, other cop shows, sarcastic cop. There's like so many sub-genres to the cop shows themselves too, which is really yeah. interesting. Why do you think we love them so much? I know you do, right? I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I do like some of them. I have watched NCIS. I do watch Law and Order. Although SVU isn't the one that I that I tend to watch because I don't like the the subject matter. But yeah, I do like them. I mean, you're right about the subgenre, Ramya, because you know I'm not even taking into account um, some of the other uh, shows. You know, like we're just talking about like kind Brooklyn of cops and detectives. Yeah, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, you know, the, going the the comedy route. But I think um, we love them so much because they're easy to watch. Like you don't have to spend a lot of energy investing in the story or the characters. Now that's not to say that there isn't story, you know, backstory because there is. But it's mm-hmm. a crime of the week, so you know that it's going to be encapsulated and solved probably within that hour. People like to work on a puzzle, and it gives you that rush of excitement every time you put the last piece in. So if you figured out. 
who the killer is or who the criminal is before they do, then you get a little bit excited about that. And honestly, this is going to sound really weird, but it gives us an adrenaline rush in the comfort of your own home. Um, I was reading about this, this study. Adrenaline is something that we seek out on a daily basis, whether it be through playing a sport, climbing a mountain, solving a crime alongside the police, or or even eating a bag of chips. That's where I get my adrenaline rush. Oh, my gosh. Snack foods. So, yeah, we seek out adrenaline. about some of this. Well, it makes you smile because in that sense, you always look for the guy, the bad guy to get it. So you get yeah. excited. And have you ever had where, you know, you think, oh, they're going to drag him out of the car and thump him. And it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. And and because and you like you almost feel like, well, that guy deserves, you know, and then you remind yourself, calm down about the violence, please. Um, real quick, Greg, is what is being shown in these programs, corruption, racism and violence against BIPOC communities being reflected in these shows at all? Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Um, the 21st century police shows that tend to be, you know, highly critically acclaimed and beloved by audiences like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Wire, which is going back a little bit when I mentioned The Wire, right. do try to use their police expertise uh, to critique the institutions in which they take place. They do show these flawed characters. A great show that you can check out is called The Shield, um, where it mm-hmm. was it was corrupt cops um, solving crimes, and yet they were corrupt and they got their comeuppance at the end of the day. Um, um, in the months following the George Floyd protests, uh, police procedurals have taken different paths in in dealing with those storylines. Law and Order SBU featured an episode where Olivia Benson has to face the question of whether or not she has unconsciously racially profiled a suspect in the past. So, yeah, thankfully, uh, we're starting to see those stories creeping in. Those really right. along with the yep. entertainment. Yeah. Greg David, of course, we do that every two weeks. We have a visit with him. Rum, we get a chance to talk TV. That was from July 13th. The importance of uh, police shows on TV. And I got carried away at the beginning of that one, talking old chip stuff and episodes. Mm. Ah, such memories. Coming up next, folks, sleep is vital at any age. And we chat more about the importance of sleep for youth with Margaret Eaton. National CEO, Canadian Mental Health Association. So this is going to be a very interesting conversation, I think, for all of us. And I think settle some of the curiosities about how much sleep teenagers and so on at that age should have. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the program. Rub Muthan, Kelly McDonald. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. is the repeat of the program here on AMI-audio. Also, remember, you can catch the show and binge it, if you wish, as a podcast. And you can do that by listening to the show in its complete form, the Kelly and Company Complete Podcast. Today, Jeff Ryman will be providing for us on the end of it our audio vanity card. Or you can listen to the show feed in segment form as well. So maybe you just heard a guest on the show, you caught it partway and you want to check it out, do that by subscribing to the Kelly and Company podcast feed, find that segment and away you go. Maybe you have a favorite contributor that you like to listen to on the program, don't want to miss their segment, but don't have time to take take in the whole show. Whatever works for you, folks, we're happy to just have you on board wherever you're listening in around the world here on Kelly and Company. Again, that's the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan, host of the program. So the puppy was barking earlier. This is the, the work from home thing, ladies and gentlemen. 
who was responsible for that? The mailman. Well, it was ah. like an actual package delivery. So uh, it, because you asked us as a question, which was, do we have mail slots in our doors? Right. We do. We have mail slots in our each individual doors. And oh, OK. Yeah, which is really convenient, but uh, Glizzy doesn't really go off for any of that stuff. It's just if somebody's knocking or preparing things outside the door. Like sometimes when people come to vacuum the hallway, and right. you can hear all this ruckus that is just totally off regular routine. He Ooh. starts uh, the growling first? Growling, which you didn't hear apparently. No. That was I just very heard loud. The bark. It was a very Ooh. significant growl. I'm not going to imitate it again, though it hurt my throat. And uh, then the barking started, yep. Um, it's really interesting because, you know, with the working from home, you, you get those things. And, and you mentioned the mail slots. I remember when I was doing some theater stuff when I was a teenager around Toronto and we had to go in the neighborhood where we were put, putting the show on, we got ourselves into some of the buildings and we were utilizing people's mailboxes, whether we should have been doing that or not. I have no idea. Oh, but we were marching through like 15, 16 year olds going through the building and slipping flyers into people's yeah. mailboxes. And I remember, you know, trying not to crumple these things in. Some of them were just walking by, <laughs> squeezing the thing in, crumpling the whole for I'm like, hey, man, be careful. Just slide it in gentle. Let it go. Let it draw. And I was all big talk about that, how gentle I was until a dog attacked my hand. <laughs> I slid it in and suddenly, bang, like, you know, at my fingers and I pulled my hand back and it was wet from saliva. And I was like, ah, oh, never oh. mind that. So I, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a little bit of a, a, a bit of a shocker. And I'm like, what the heck are we doing? So, of course, we found an excuse to get out of doing it and then complain. No, so I was like so shocked about it. And, and those things happen. I mean, for someone, you know, and, and, and as kids, we didn't know. We were just going around and doing it. And, and it was just, oh, well, it'll be what it'll be, Rum. You know, just yeah. going out, trying to do the right thing. You know, too, Kels, I, I do feel for uh, people who have to do anything in apartment buildings, whether it be delivery of some sort oh, or yeah. just mail or pizza or Uber Eats or whatever it is. Like houses just seem... To be a more intuitive, I mean, you can't help anything like, you know, finding addresses, right? But coming into the building, sometimes your uh, elevators don't work. Sometimes the places are not accessible. Sometimes the, the yeah, like you have no idea if uh, it's going to be a dog or a cat or whatever on the other <laughs> Well, even end. if someone opens the door, you don't know that the cat's, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, don't let my cat out, you know, and, exactly. you, and you're having to help somebody chase their cat down the hall sure. or back. Um, if the instructions are too. accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Numbers two. Buzzers are a huge one at my building. The buzzer um, uh, can be working, can't be working. And you never know until the person's downstairs. Right. So then you're waiting for people to come down. Uh Oh, man. Have you missed a package or uh, our good friends at Rogers or anywhere from from that happening with the buzzer? Because that's got to be the most exasperating when you're sitting there waiting, you're nearby And then they tell you, you get in the mail or, or they phone you or you phone and it's, well, yep. I was there, but you weren't. Couldn't deliver. Had worse than that, actually. I've had people leave packages right in the lobby, like not even past the second door, oh. like the locked door. How is uh, that legal? It's not. I'm assuming it's not. But that's just brutal, right? And it's it's happened to, actually, a friend of mine, her iPhone was left in the lobby. And I was like, there's no way... Like, I mean, that's got to be full stroke of luck that nobody took your iPhone. I, Brand new I, Apple packaging. Can you imagine? I couldn't even imagine that. And I couldn't imagine what they figure is okay. You know, if you end up losing your stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, how, yeah. Who do you blame that on? How is that, that legal? 
Yeah. Who takes and, the accountability know, for that? And I don't know what you do in that case. If you know, I, I think these places, and this goes to the other discussions we have, um, that you know, there's just not enough care about these things there's there's too much of hey you know what what's it matter you know we don't have this we don't it got lost oh well we'll send you another one and you stop and say Mm -hmm. what are you kidding or if you refuse something if you say look i don't want it anymore i didn't order it or i you've got the wrong part well yeah but it says you're no i'm sorry i don't want it there's so much stuff that you think it must just get wasted yeah. What happens it, with it? It's got it. And it's a ton of money. So if this happens, you know, enough times, which I'm sure it does, because delivery is everywhere and delivery woes are everywhere. So, uh, yeah, a lot of our stuff is going into the trash. And then I wonder, is that why my stuff is so expensive? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I just think that some of that you just gets you just kind of where you just get kind of like, uh, I'm sorry, this is the kind of crazy thing that, you know, you just wonder, well, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? For sure. Um, I think we're going to chat uh, uh, some items right now as we're experiencing some technical issues. But here's some things that you and I can continue talking about, Kels. Information security exer- experts, we talked about this a bit last week are warning Apple users to update their devices as soon as possible after the company disclosed serious vulnerabilities uh, to let hackers get in. This vulnerability should be taken really seriously because it does, it does give somebody full admin access without you even realizing that it's happening, without you clicking on anything, without you having to uh, you know, click on something that, that lets the bad guys in. And so it is really, really important that you run the update as soon as possible. So various models of iPhones, iPads, Macs, and uh, something else are part of the part of the list of these issues that are going on with the security system. So pretty bad. Um, I think that when we talked about it with John Beeler last week, Kels, uh, he was just saying there's just no questions asked. No questions asked. You need to update your iPhone, update your your devices, and especially if Apple is telling you you need to do it, like they're 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 not hiding anything. They're not trying to wiggle their way out of it. They're just Mm-mm. saying, dude, there's been a security breach. You need to update your devices. Um, this is a pretty big one. It's not a specific app. It's not just something affecting the back end. It is no. full on vulnerability, right? So do it. I mean, right now it's almost been a week since we talked about it. And I wonder if people are still uh, humming and hawing about uh, getting their phones. And People are updated. so worried about when you do your update, what it changes, what it might mess up. And, and it certainly does. Sometimes you, unfortunately, either, and some will say, oh, it's too soon. I shouldn't have done it so early. I think it can happen anytime. If your phone is vulnerable and you happen to get an update and there happens to be some kind of weird thing go on while it's updating or something that's in your phone that's been there, uh, things, strange things can happen. And I don't think there's much we can do about that. That's part of the glitches of electronics, of technology that way. What I do wonder is how much we're comfortable. We we take our our losing money from the bank. We figure banks are going to get hacked. There's insurance. There's ways of cover. You should be able to return your money. It's a frustrating thing, especially if your card gets seized. There's so much more to get upset about in my opinion, with something like that. And I'm pretty sure most people would agree, but we really do get stressed about, I'm not updating that device. Yeah, but what if someone gets your device and gets the information? I'm not updating. I don't want the problems it could cause. A lot of time, we will chance it there 
But, oh, my goodness, if something happens with the bank because our money gets sucked out of there, it, mm-hmm. you know, and, of course, it's important. And, of course, you want the bank to go through its procedure. You hope that they'll just say, well, we'll return the money and we'll do our own investigation because they've got the money. If you get ripped off, give me back my money. You've got it in your computer system and you go chase it down. And that's yeah. what you hope. But the same thing with 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 your phone, you're probably not going to get necessarily that kind of safety because if a hacker gets in there, starts do, moving things around, there isn't as much backup or security protection as if that happens at the bank. It's just funny how we'll hesitate with our phones to to to, to, to heed these warnings because it's the accountability. Like I, I really do find. Um, for so many things where we can toss it onto somebody else's list of, you know, the banks, as you said, or anything else where we're going, oh, my God, Facebook and oh, my goodness, Instagram and TikTok and whatever. But in this case, yes, the accountability isn't ours. But in in the, the second sense of it, it is for us to update our devices. So if we're still here, you know, keeping our fingers crossed about, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe it won't happen to me and hackers will, there's nothing to find in my phone, that kind of thing. And I don't know what inconvenience we think we're going to get. Like, I don't know when the last time was I did an update and it really screwed up my phone. And when I say that, I just simply mean even Kelly, you know, oh boy, they've done things here. They've changed the screen to where I, I have no idea what's going on. I haven't really experienced that in a long time. These changes that happen have been more and more subtle and subtle because of they know that the technology shock to people is too much. Well, for me, it's the glitches that I worry about more, more often than not. But again, this is a security patch, right? This is not a, an upgrade to a new, um, you know, iOS software or whatever, because they've went through a whole bunch of changes. It's just to make sure that your stuff is protected. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm thinking like when Michael Babcock comes to us and says, hey, iOS blank beta is available and you guys can check it out but be aware the be aware part for me is um will voiceover still work will i still have my you know access needs met uh is my my native mail app and messages and all that stuff going to work as accordingly or are there are they still working through some, through some kinks yeah and that's the that's i think the whole crux of it all we all hope <laughs> And we can hope all we want that, hey, guys, you know, you are taking care of me. Everything's going to be fine. And, yeah, like the reality is that is the goal. The, the the We have passed that time where we sit back and say, I really don't know what to do here. We're all past all that, folks. Folks, um, our guest will join us shortly on the program. Uh, we've got another hour coming up of Kelly and Company where a Mary Manalini will be joining us. And uh, we have, of course, the Buzz with Bill up next. Margaret will have her on to talk about sleep, too, later in Hour 2 of Kelly and Company. Stand by. Because as a blind child, I was always told, oh, you have to be careful, don't worry about if you're going to hit this. To be able to do judo with sighted people, to be able to hold my own with them and be allowed to throw them and be allowed to choke them and for them to see that I'm not so fragile, they can choke me too, they can throw me too, and I'm not going to break. That was very satisfying, just being allowed to participate in something rough. Kelly and Company, sharing your stories.
smack dab in the middle of our Wednesday edition of Kelly and Company. That's where we are, folks. Thanks for being with us wherever you are hanging out and however you're listening in. Maybe through TuneIn Radio or the Radio Player Canada app. Awesome apps in which to have on your smart device to check us out. Also, you can visit AMI.ca and take a listen to the live stream right there of AMI-audio right from the AMI website. That's AMI.ca. I'm Kelly McDonald, my co-host over there in the Toronto home studio, Ramya Muthan, I in the London, Ontario home studio, and we welcome in now, as we do Wednesday through Fridays, at the top of the second hour, the man to talk about a few items that he's got on his plate to share with us, Bill Shackleton. We call the segment The Buzz. Willie, how are you? Doing pretty good. How are you? <clears throat> uh, it's a good day. Good start to yeah. your week, uh, your part of the week joining us here on the program. What do you got to kick things off? Well, I want to do this first one. Back to school with panic buttons, the post Uvelda scramble. So basically, this is comes out of the Associated Press from Uvelda, Texas. And basically, the article is the, the author is, is asking the question, are we spending too much money on security? Basically, what's happening is that a lot of schools across the country, in the U.S. anyway, are spending a lot of money on um, things like safety door locks, bulletproof, uh, you know, backpacks. And, and I, I get that. But the they're also spending a lot of money on high-tech, what they call panic buttons that you would wear and um, apps that would connect to law enforcement if, you know, there was a problem. And I guess I sort of get that, but are we are, are we perhaps overdoing the security thing? You know, that's, Bill, as we as we saw when Rogers back on July eighth had the big oh. uh, outage. Uh hmm? oh, I think we oh outed Kelly. Ooh, yeah, he was just saying Rogers outage. Wow, I mean, I don't know. That sounds like crazy timing to me. Anyway, uh, that I was have... my technical oh, uh, bang, right? I don't back. know. See, I, I think it's because of what I was saying. Good heavens, man! Um, <laughs> really, they didn't like you. That's what they didn't. As soon as I said Rogers, they said, "Really, you're at it again, are you?" What's um, wild is I didn't even know how to help finish that sentence for you because I had no clue where you were going. <laughs> what I was thinking is when we talk about something like this, outages or bad. Internet, a lot of apps that that would work these panic buttons and things like that, or warning sign, you know, things apps that would help with a, assist a lockdown of a school. What if you have some problem? What if people aren't getting warned who should be if something was to happen because they happen to be in the basement of the school at a storage, or simply have the phones off that they want the students to have off while they're in class? So I, I find that kind of funny. One of the things, Billy, you mentioned the backpacks. Clear backpacks. Um, I, I understand. You know, we're in school. You have your things in your bag, but clear. I don't know how clear. Being low vision, I don't. I don't know what that means, and what does that mean to people's privacy, right? Uh, do Do we argue that should? Well, you don't need much privacy at a school, obviously. You know, to do certain things, you know, whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, to get changed for swimming or whatever. Obviously, you need your privacy and so on. But when it comes to your belongings. And carrying your things, I would say there's a level of privacy people need. There, there is. Um, and actually, when you brought up the point about 
the high tech stuff, the example in the article was that the an alert apparently an alert was sent out in the school. Right. But most of the teachers had their phones in their drawers. Mm. So they weren't even, you know, they weren't even being used, or at least they didn't have them on them. And they weren't wearing their panic buttons. And the alert that was sent out, people thought it was a hoax. Mm. So again, I mean, are we, should we be spending money on equipment that we may never use? Right. Or do we need to train teachers to look for, to make sure that doors are locked, to, to make sure that if some, if somebody is acting suspicious, may, maybe that's perhaps... Well, there has to be training, Ramya. Like, you're never going to remember, even with training, uh, in the moment of heat of panic, are you going to remember all these systems? Is is that technology beneficial? I think in some ways, yeah, some of it is, if we use it the right way, which takes a lot of study time, and I think... Depending on your school, you know, depending on the people, the staff, there are factors. Yeah, I think some of it is just the systems that are currently in place. Some of these aspects don't work anymore and we need to implement them as daily routines, right? Daily things that teachers need to think about, that students know are in place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but other things, I, I think I agree with you guys. There are some rights concerns here, some privacy concerns. And, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to implement something like clear backpacks. I know in your transparent backpack there, you've got some uh, nice uh, looking fudge there. Uh, Did your mom make that uh, as your teacher? metal detectors, right? Because because people, people vape, people do all kinds of stuff. And, And don't get me wrong, like, you know, if we're talking underage, then stuff is illegal anyways that you, you may be doing in school without people realizing but regardless uh to implement the stuff is going to be a bit of an uproar well and you don't want to have the attitude they don't have the the rights and you start going back into yeah. the dark ages where children had no rights. but safety does have to reign supreme it does and and how people respond like you're saying you know these the training um and all of this stuff doesn't stick which means we need to start implementing how often we do drills Right. Just the same as fire drills so that people know what to do in case of an emergency, in case they're panicking. Um, you know, what how do you instruct and what buttons do you press? Yeah. Um, just like a fire drill, you can always do better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember so that all the time. Uh, sir, you want to move on to your next item? Yeah, we do. S- staying with schools. Judge rules video scan a room um, online for online testing illegal. So apparently in Cleveland, there's a lawsuit going on where a student at a university was told that he had to provide a webcam, a picture of his room before he could take an exam. And apparently he he was afraid that if he didn't do it, he wouldn't get a credit. So apparently he what what this I you know I think what they're doing is because of the pandemic, you know a lot of students that are going to that are taking tests are not going to a say a a testing facility. So the pandemic is 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 you know this is is forcing people to take these tests online. And this, the thinking of the for some of these schools is we want to make sure that there's no one else in the room. 
least I think that's what they're trying to do. So they're trying to cut down on cheating. And basically the judge said that a student needs his privacy. You know, like if you were in your house, you'd want privacy. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. I get it. But on the other hand, the schools are trying to cut down on um, the, the level of cheating that, you know, how do you know that there's that there isn't someone in the room with with the, some of these students? So, how do you how do you you know? It's the horror of hybrid stuff, right? Like, or or remote, or uh, having to do school and tests and exams from home. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I do know someone who had to take a test, and again, the the their video had to be on. Like certain things were yeah, implemented. That's right. Uh, you need to show that you don't have any laptops next to you on the table that you're sitting at. Uh, so, you, just to minimize and take care of cheating altogether. But, um, I don't know. A part of me thinks, but we still need to make sure that people have these options to do exams from home i'm thinking accessibility i'm thinking extended timelines like all these other things but you know when we were in school and we had uh to go to another room like as people who might need other accommodations i had to go into separate testing centers to do my tests there was always someone supervising so you didn't get that privacy right like you don't no. get to do a, a <laughs> and yeah and it could be a scribe it could be a note taker but sometimes it was just somebody there monitoring to make sure that you're not doing anything that you're not supposed to um especially if you're using your own personal laptops for accommodation reasons so if you're saying we need to continue allowing people the option to do exams from home but then you're saying okay let me scan your bedroom though to make sure the same way we would if you were doing it at the facility, it starts to uh, uh, have questions. Like we start to think about what this means for other rights, like privacy, though. So maybe guess- you need to only do the test in a bare bones room, like an office space where you feel comfortable um, showing your surroundings. But does everyone have access to that? Probably not. No, probably not. We'll see where this goes. Um, very curious, yeah. yeah. I'm very curious on where this is going to go. Because there is no right or wrong. Like, people are going to have issues one way or the other. Hey, it's funny because you obviously, if you want to cheat, you're going to find the way. Whether it's somebody hiding under the bed. Yeah, sure, take a look. And you know, Or are you by saying, okay, by the way, before we get started, you know, show your show your bedroom. Huh? What, what 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 do you mean? Well, let's see your bedroom. Yeah, but my bed isn't made, and this and that, and uh, you know, I've got a inner. And then what if you have, as some people do, their inappropriate picture, poster, whatever it might be, <laughs> some rock group or whatever that has, you know, whatever it might be. Okay, then you know, stuff something you couldn't wear on a shirt to school, but then you're like, you're showing your camera around. What are you supposed to do? Run over and. Rip it off the wall. No, no, forget it. Uh, like it, it, it sets up so many things as you were saying, Ramya, with this hybrid and and the circumstance. <laughs> and I chuckle, but you know, it, it is that invasion of privacy. If you share your room with someone, you know, a younger yeah. sibling, it, you is. know, and their bed's not made, everything's a mess. You can't warn people. By the way, before the test, we're going to show. We're going to see. Want to? We may ask to look at your room. Yep. You, you can't spring that on somebody. 
you you should warn them, but then you're going to worry if I warn them, the person will just step out of the room in time or or whatever it might be. So I I don't know, man, and and I I think you really like the judge felt there. You're you're really skating on thin ice with yeah. figuring it's something we can get away with. Yeah. Anyway, Shaq, we'll talk to you tomorrow. That's Thanks a, a lot, pal. We'll talk tomorrow. On that, Bill Shackleton. We call it the buzz. Of course, we do this uh, Wednesday through Friday as he joins us with a few things to talk about uh, on the program. And we thank Bill for doing that as usual, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're going to step aside and we're going to talk a little bit about sleep because it's so vital at any age. We chat more about the uh, importance of sleep for youth with Margaret Eaton, National CEO, Canadian Mental Health Association, next. Thanks for being with us, folks, as we work our way through Hour 2 on the Wednesday edition of Kelly and Company. Kelly McDonald here. My co-host, Ramya Muthan, she's at her home studio in Toronto. I am at the home studio in London, Ontario. And hey, wherever you are visiting with us for for whatever time you have, we appreciate it. Thanks for doing so. My co-host, Ramya Muthan. So we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which is sleep. Um, I'm totally on board for this segment and I already know that I agree with everything that's going to come up, but you know, for the rest of us, <laughs> let's do some, uh, chatting about sleep. It's vital at any age and has been shown to improve learning, attention, memory, behavior, and overall men- mental and physical well-being. So the importance of sleep for youth is the, fo- is the, uh, focus for today's um, conversation and we're doing it with Margaret Eaton, National CEO of Canadian Mental Health Association, CMHA. Margaret, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and making some time for us, even with a little bit of tweaking. Thank you, Ramira. So we want to talk about this study. Um, and in the study, it shows that one in four youth are not getting enough sleep. So first off, who is youth? Like what age range are we really talking about? And what is enough sleep for this age range? Yeah, um, when they looked at sleep requirements, uh, they looked at five to 17 year olds. And typically the current guidelines suggest that if you're between the ages of five and 13, you need nine to 11 hours of sleep. If you're 14 to 17, you need about eight to 10 hours of sleep. But that really depends on the child. Um, And I I think, you know, we used to say everybody needs eight hours, but more and more, I think we're finding some people only need five, some people need 10. There isn't a really hard and fast rule. It's what makes you feel like you can function well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, which is why I'm thinking some people say or can use that piece of information or recommendation to say, okay, but yeah, no, I'm good with five hours of sleep. But is that really what they're experiencing, though? Um, You might be experiencing lack of sleep and not even realizing the symptoms or, or signs of that. Well, I think that's true, especially for kids and teenagers who think that they can stay up late, you know, on social media mm-hmm. or, or watching videos or like me on TikTok um, without realizing that they're paying a price for it the next day, which might mean things like having trouble getting up. 
um, yeah. sleeping through alarms, um, or even just you know poor school performance where you don't feel like you can remember things as well. Um, so much of sleep is about uh, building your memory. So while we're sleeping, the brain is busy processing information that was learned during the day. And if unless you you need that sleep time in order to do that processing so that you can then regurgitate it on that test the next day. So um, you're quite right. I think we, we may not realize all the impacts that are uh, on our lives if we're not getting enough sleep. Yeah, and these are just some of the problems that lack of sleep can pose. Um, one in five youth are affected by mental illness. So let's bring in this to the conversation. Does it directly correspond with sleep on some level? I I think there may be a connection, but it might actually go the other way in that when you have a mental illness, it can often create a sleep disturbance or a sleep disturbance could be a sign that you're actually suffering. So we know that sleep is implicated in things like anxiety and depression. So people who are anxious usually have sleep issues. Or if you're depressed, you may find that you were sleeping too much and that can be a sign that um, that there's some uh, mental health issue that you need to address. Yeah, and that um, part of it is also a pretty big one that you hear about. You know, you might have some first-hand experience. You're not feeling well, you're not doing well, or your routine has been thrown off, or maybe you're going through some huge transitional period in your life and uh, your sleep, like either lack of or too much of sleep, um, is a big mm-hmm. part of that phase and stage for you. Uh, Do you think that we talk enough about that side of it, Margaret? Like, do a lot of people say out loud, yeah, I'm having issues with sleep or yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, enjoying my sleep of late? Well, you know, I think, I'm not sure if we talk about sleep, but I know so many people talk about being tired. Right. Um, And tiredness is so common. Um, I remember seeing a doctor once and saying, I'm so tired all the time. And he said, you should get more sleep. And I thought, you know what, that doesn't really address my problem. (laughs) So, you know, tiredness can be because you are anxious, you're depressed, you're um, working too hard, you've got too much on your plate, especially women um, who often bear the burden of, you know, the the nine to five shift, but they've also got the five to nine shift. So, um, it, it's really important to think about all the things that get loaded on our plates when we think about tiredness. But sleep could actually be something that we need to pay attention to in order to address tiredness. So sleep might be one of the things that you need to be getting more of, which might mean things like going to bed earlier or uh, turning off devices or doing things to make sure that you sleep through the night. Um, Oftentimes people with anxiety will find they're waking up at odd hours and then unable to get back to sleep. So paying attention to sleep, I think, is really, really important. Wow. And that's something I know for myself. Never did. As a, as a teenager, I was lucky if I got the eight hours. felt always great. But mm-hmm. as we've heard, as you get older, hey, you got to really think about this. You got to think about what you get, what you need to make your body perform at an optimum level. So with that, on the flip side, what positives come from getting enough sleep? Yeah, well, sleep um, has been shown to um, really support, especially children and youth, um, with their learning. So getting good sleep improves learning, it improves test scores and ability to, um, to get things done, it improves attention. Um, and it also can, it's been found to improve behavior. 
So especially for, you know, younger kids who are acting out a little bit, sometimes that can be because they're tired and not getting enough sleep. And it just overall improves mental and physical well-being. Is there is is there such thing as getting too much sleep? Because, you know, I mean, I know a lot of parents, hey, that's a good reason to make sure they're up on time. Hey, don't sleep too much. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, there is this notion that teenagers in particular end up sleeping more because they are going through so much change. And Mm -hmm. there are even some school districts that have talked about, in fact, moving the school day forward because they know teenagers have sleep disturbance, but then also want to sleep later. So um, this is where I think it comes back to what does each individual need? What what makes you feel like you can function at your best? And for some teenagers, that will mean sleeping a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. especially on weekends, trying to get caught up with sleep deficit. And and I think that's a great thing if you can get, you know, uh, caught up, if you've got things that start early in the morning and whatever, if you fill up a person's life, we go back to what you said about knowing oneself, knowing what you need, because we can say, let's not change the time, that will have no effect on anyone, let's make sure that we move school a little further uh, later on, starting, say, at 10 o'clock in the morning, but will those people who are out there, who there are going to be that majority, who just, oh, good, I can sleep longer, or I can stay up later, and the problem. Still there. It doesn't matter if you start school at noon or, or what. There's going to be a sector that that still is impacted in a quote negative unquote way. Yeah, that could very well be. And I know some people end up even with sleep disorder. It's almost like their whole day turns upside down. You know, they're sleeping during the day and then active yes. at night. So, and that can be very disruptive to your life, especially as a young person. So, um, trying to um, have good sleep hygiene. I think it's really important as as a part of an overall health and mental health strategy. So, Margaret, any particular recommendation for the parents out there so they can help their kids get enough sleep? Mm-hmm. Well, we think it's really important to set a, a bedtime routine. And that starts with having a consistent time to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. And that's tricky at this time of year because oftentimes yes. sleep schedules um, get changed when you're not in school. So we're encouraging people to think about trying to get back to a more normal schedule earlier rather than later. So it isn't just the first day of school, you know, you're starting to change the routine, take it back a week or two and start getting them used to that bedroom bedtime routine sooner rather than later. Um, it's also important to wind down and relax before getting into bed. So reading a book, especially reading together with your child is a wonderful way for both of you to relax before bed. Um, having a warm bath or a shower has been shown to be uh, a way to prepare your body for sleep. And then, of course, it's really important to reduce screen time. Um, I'm bad at this. I always have my phone in bed with me, but you should not do that. <laughs> it's really important to unplug before bed and that bright light can actually give your brain the message that it's time to stay awake instead of your brain uh, understanding that it's time to go to sleep. So turning off devices and other bright lights an hour or more before bedtime is really important too. Should there be a warm-up, a practice run if you want? If you find sleep has been just totally disrupted, changed, or moved to to where we're going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and kids are waking up at 11 or noon uh, and, and getting the day started, as school approaches, 
What would you recommend to the parents to say, okay, guys, let's get this back in hand? Would it be something you'd start next week if you start on the 6th, uh, maybe on Wednesday? Let's let's do things a little earlier, off the bed. I mean, obviously, when they're in their room, you can't control if they've got that phone in bed or whatever. Right. Yeah, and I think it's it's good not to do it as a shock. Like you say, if kids are going to bed at 2, then maybe the next night you're going to bed at 1. Maybe you're trying to go to bed at midnight after that, so that you're moving it back a little bit each time to try to get into this new routine. Um, but it's hard to do, and, and I think often um, parents can feel... Um, it's hard to have control over your child's um, sleep environment. So um, one of the things that we've been recommending is that you have conversation about sleep. Um, If there is a problem with sleep or if you feel your child isn't getting enough sleep or if they're waking up, um, as I mentioned, it could be the symptom of anxiety or depression. So paying attention to their sleep pattern and asking them about their sleeping becomes a way to introduce a conversation about health and mental health. So just asking, were you able to fall asleep easily? What time did you get get to sleep? Did you stay asleep? Do you think you got enough sleep? Um, these can all be clues to the state of mind of your young person and can really open up that conversation about how they're feeling. I think that's so important. It is tremendous. Um, any particular resources that we should be going to to get a little more information about this? Yeah, well, if you're worried about your mental health or the mental health of your child or youth and you've had that conversation about sleep and and want some more support, we encourage you to visit your local Canadian Mental Health Association. We're in 330 communities across Canada, so you can go to cmha.ca for more information. And we encourage you to reach out to Kids Help Phone as well. You can find them at kidshelpphone.ca, and they have resources for parents and children. So um, if you have any concerns, these are great places to go for more information. Amazing. Margaret, thank you so much. This has been really um, valuable information and just places where people can start no matter where they are in their journey, just things to kind of keep in mind uh, about your own sleep, but also if you're a parent, your kids sleep this time of year. Appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much. We were speaking with Margaret Eaton, National CEO of the Canadian Mental Health uh, Association, CMHA, telling us about the importance of sleep uh, for everybody, but particularly youth around this time for back to school. Folks, we'll step aside for just a couple of moments, about two minutes to be exact. Mary Mamalini of Kitchen Confession shares ideas in what you might want to include in a a care package for returning post-secondary school students just about to get things underway. Her advisement, next. Throughout Canada, listen to AMI-audio right from your TV. Bell, Channel 49, and Kojiko, Ontario, Channel 596. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And Kels, we're continuing that back-to-school theme, uh, but this time with the angle of food. Let's bring on Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mammoliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, long time no talk. How are you? 
I'm well. I miss you guys. I know. We miss you too. And I feel like as we didn't have you on the show, I also barely did any cooking in the house. You know, it's just a trickle effect. And you know what's okay, happening Okay, well, then there. I can't take time off. I got to well, keep the two it. weeks this so I make sure you get <laughs> exactly. into the kitchen. Well, and you know for her, she's put uh, some time off right before what would be going back to school as if she's going back to school. So <laughs> yeah, I think your care package, she is now expecting. I, I haven't really been cooking a lot. Going back to school. What do you got for me, Mary? <laughs> uh, I want a care package. I do want a care package, Mary, but this is uh, exactly why you're here, to prep the people who are going back to school. They deserve the care packages, um, especially post-secondary students, college, university. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what's to say we can't treat ourselves to any of these things because I know I have a couple yeah, of these already checked off on my list in my cart, um, in my checkout cart. I mean, but going back to the beginning of the school year, honestly, it's a few short weeks away. And this is also usually the time where the parents, they start scrambling to make sure that the kiddos have, you know, everything they need and they're prepared for the first day. I want to do my small part to help. So I curated this quick list. There are a couple of items that are perfect to put in a care package that are great to be used at home. So parents out there, I've got you covered. Okay, so let's start at the top of the (laughs) list and make our way down. What do you have? I have got the first one. It's right at the top because it is crucial. So proper vessels for on-the-go meals. And one of my favorites are the compartment packed, like those bento boxes, because yes. they're functional, right? And for me, it's all about, I don't know about you guys, and I know we've talked about this before, about mess. Like I like to keep things off me and contained. Um, and the bento box helps me do all that because again, it's compartment packed. Um, they're functional. They make lunchtime more fun. It is. It's just cute to have like different compartments. Anyway, I have mm-hmm. to add that yeah. in. I almost right? felt the first time I ever had one that it was designed for the blind. Right? That's true. Right? If you think about <laughs> yes. Okay, I was thinking the same thing because it is it works so well. Oh, for yeah. Everything that it checks so many boxes for us. The um, mental box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so it really does. And that's why I do love the bento box and I highly recommend it. But I'm going one step further. There is one out there because I love salads. So salad lovers rejoice because there is a salad bento box that's a decent size. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't want those little, little small, tiny salads. I need that big salad. <laughs> uh, right? I need it. Like, I'm not even going to pretend. So they've got, or I found out there, these salad bento box. And what it is, so it's got this deep bowl. So you can put all your leafy lettuce at the bottom. Then that four-slot compartment tray that sits directly on that leafy lettuce, the leafy lettuce base. And then there's that dressing container. The beauty about this is it keeps everything airtight. So that lid, it ensures that, you know, your toppings, they won't become soggy, leaky. Um, You know, when you pop it into your bag and it doesn't go everywhere, it locks that all in. Right, because a lot of people, a lot of us tend to reuse maybe those to-go containers at home. Um, they're great because you're repurposing them. However, you don't get the added benefit of this leak-proof, um, everything divided, and everything. There's a place for everything, and everything has a place with the bento boxes. Right. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And which one was the one uh, for the salad? The specific. So it's, yeah. it is called the salad bento box. Okay. And for That's any it. of these, if anyone is looking for links or where to buy them, email me, find me on social. I'm I'm happy to help and just send these okay. off to you. Okay. 
So next, you want them to stay hydrated, mm-hmm. right? Water's key. You want them to keep on keeping the, that those fluids in. Get a hydrate, uh, get a, um, maybe a 12 ounce double walled, like insulated thermos, right? Those bottles, right? So they can just reuse them. And the reason why I say, um, double walled insulated, because it'll keep those liquids either hot or cold for at least up to 12 hours, 12 ounces. You don't want to keep on having to refill this every minute. Um, because I don't know about you, but I guzzle water. So Mm -hmm. I, I like to get that 12 ounce. And then there are some out there that have that, um, that hygienic straw, right. That's under the cover. So when you press the button, it pops open the lid and that straw pops out. I like those as well. Well, and, um, and Mayor, I don't know if, again, it's been a while since I've wandered the halls of a school, but, um, yeah. do they even like, you know, so many people are concerned about obviously sharing fountains and things like that, the right. cleanliness and that kind of thing. I don't even know that it's such a thing. So a lot of people, thermoses must be just flying off the shelf at this time of the year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, but this is all about finding the right one for you. Right. Right. So even they also have those glass ones. I recommend stainless steel. I'm a bit of a klutz. So I am not bueno with glass. And um, I mean, I have glass plates, uh, obviously, but carrying it around with me, I tend to bang up my back, my bag. Children, they just toss their bags everywhere, wherever it goes. So the stainless steel option is really good. It's durable. Um, Again, like I said, it it just withstands clumsy hands like mine. Uh, And dishwasher safe. So it's got easy cleanup. Okay. Shall we keep moving down the list? Yes, we shall. Because this one here, it's not, okay, it's my must-have. Because you know I like a little gadget and I'm a little bougie at times. Um, It's called the Decruster Bread Sandwich Maker. Oh my God, get out. (laughs) I'm not kidding. So this is awesome because it is like... The gadget that I would, I need to have in my kitchen. So, and I'm an adult. <laughs> and this bread sandwich, it's not just an appliance. Right. That's just, just to confirm I am the adult. If if anyone's questioning that out there. Uh-huh. Um, if you aren't a fan of crusts, this sandwich cutter, it's perfect for you. So it makes small or large sandwiches. Now, it's either, I want to say cylinders, but they're circles. So it makes like a little circle. But the beauty of this is when you cut them using this device, it actually seals the edges. So it kind of creates like that, you know, like that pizza pocket yes, type thing, but it's just with a regular sandwich. And what's great about, again, we talked about mess. This is great for on the go. Everything stays oh, yes. intact, right? So it's, again, that little hand sandwich where you don't have to worry about anything falling and dripping everywhere. It's all contained. Perfect for if you're walking from class to class. Um, if you want that snack, pop it in your backpack. They're they're compact. So I absolutely love this one. And the device, it's plastic, fits into the palm of your hand. It makes it easy for cutting the sandwiches. And it is dishwasher safe. That is really Just throwing that in there. Well, and that's even something good that you want to control what you're doing if you get stuck eating on a bus. Really wonderful. Right. Yeah, that's a great, great one. What else? How about have? the how about the snack bags? So I, I talk mm. about the stash or sta- snack bags. It's a brand. There are all types of brands out there, but I chose this one just because I wanted to point out that it's made of 100% pure platinum food grade silicone, So, which is important. And it's an alternative to those plastic resealable bags. Yep. Right? They're fantastic. So any of these brands will do. Just, I, I, I honestly, I suggest investing in at least a couple of them. 
because it has that pinch and seal that makes the bag airtight, leak proof. Mm-hmm. It's ideal for food, travel, school snacks. Um, so much you can do with these. There are so yeah. many things you can do even around the house. So but what I love about this also, because it keeps your grocery bills down because again, it's reusable. So there's no more purchasing of those disposable ones, right? So you've got this one. You can use it over and over and over. It's environmentally friendly. Good I just, I love the refrigerating, storing, everything. pantry, everything. Yeah. Yep. I love They're these fantastic. Two. And like I said, it's not even for, it's not only for food. I have one that has thumbtacks in it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That I use it for my, my board. It's just, it's they're awesome. Very durable too. I love it. And they're, yeah, they're very versatile. So I, I highly recommend those. Then there's the Swell Cutlery. Now Swell, another brand. And the reason why I chose this one is because I loved the design of their, their set. It comes in this little, um, almost envelope size, like pouch. It's really mm-hmm. tiny and it's a fork, a knife, a spoon. They are stainless steel, great for carrying around, um, I, I highly, highly recommend this this uh, set right here. It's an, so it's I a have great, one that's yeah. kind of wooden. It's not swell. It's a, a wooden cutlery set, which people may not be a fan of. But anyway, same purpose. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering about the bag itself. So the Is bag it just itself. like a nylon yes. fabric bag? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually looked into that again because I was ready to add that to my cart. And I thought... Hmm, let me see if how easy it is to clean this and very exactly. easy. Exactly. Yeah, very right? easy. Yeah, very easy. Then we Last can watch one. So this not food related, but it's very handy. So they're laundry detergent strips. Have you ever tried these? No. Is it like Tide Pods? All in one? No. Well, yeah, it is, oh. but what it is is so if you think of a bounce sheet. Right, so it's just a sheet, except this is more concentrated, and it's got all the detergent concentrated into this tiny uh, pre-measured strip of detergent. So all mm. you do is you you toss in that strip into the wash, and it's low sudsing. Um, it works with all types of washing machines, including high efficiency, and then it makes your laundry washing so much easier, healthier, more economical because you're not overdoing it with the extra pour of detergent right. or if you're using the Tide Pods that got those all-in-ones that can get fairly pricey. Yeah. So this is a nice alternative. Yeah, and, and for whatever smaller amount that you may want to utilize. Uh, Mary, right, and the kids oh, are also, you know, their space is limited. So this yes. comes in like a little box, so easy to store. Okay, sell that. Love that mm-hmm. idea. Uh, put them in that uh, package, folks. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, because we all love them, what about snacks? Uh, are there some healthy-ish, sorry, Ramya, but I've got to ask this, healthy-ish <laughs> foods that we might be able to uh, send along that are not perishable? Okay, so I put healthy-ish because healthy always depends on the individual. It's a personal thing. These are healthy for me, and I love them. We make healthy-ish <laughs> as if it's a cuss word right. <laughs> on true. this show. Don't commit fully. <laughs> Yeah, just healthy ish. <laughs> oh, very well if you must. M and M's healthy ish. No, yes. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> but oatmeal cups is at the top of my list. So a while ago, I think I shared way back, and you know, and a recipe to do your own um, oatmeal on the go, where you just put it into baggies. Yes. Let's face it; they're not going to do this. So oatmeal cups are the way to go. Um. They just grab them, pour some water or their liquid of choice in, stir it, and go. 
I came across one at Bob Red, um, sorry, Bob's Red Mill. They're one of my favorites. So they've got this apple cinnamon one that's delicious. So it's a blend of gluten-free oats, flaxseed, chia seeds, um, dried apple pieces. I know some people don't like the dried fruit, but it's really, it's not really in your face here. Can you imagine um, the people that don't like raisins? That's just <laughs> ludicrous. Moving along. <laughs> I mean, you could pick them out if you want to, but they're tiny. It doesn't really make a big difference in this. It just adds that little hint of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon, and then it's sweetened with pure cane sugar. And that's what I liked about these. Nice. They're not oh. overly sweet or packed with this loaded uh, sugar. Love yeah. them. And then there's these coconut energy bites, which are delicious. Um, so when you're craving something sweet, they're just they're made with uh, simple ingredients like almonds, dates, uh, cacao, salt, coconut oil. You could make your own, but you could also buy these, put it in their care package, and they could take mm-hmm. it with them. And they're all individually packed. So they can, again, grab and go. It's all about grab and go. Um, and so they don't lean pizzas? into those chips. Oh, smart sweets. Have you, have either of you ever heard of these? No, no. I haven't heard of any of these. I'm just making a list now. But this is not fuzzy peaches, okay. right? No. It's like, so it's the healthier alternative is fuzzy peaches. So fuzzy yeah. peaches are sweet. Ish. Ish, ish. Yes, let's throw the ish in. I forgot. Um, so these are, they're that play on sweet and sour. So you do have that sour kick to them. And they're made with, so they're basically without sugar. So they're free from sugar alcohols and artificial sugars. But they give you that candy feel, that candy flavor. I had them. Frank loves the uh, peach rings because he likes more sour. I go for those little fishies because they're, they're like, they're the sweeter side of it. Oh, I'm like Frank, though. Have... I love this. This is, this sounds absolutely, oh gosh, yeah. Okay, these are definitely one to try. And like I said, if you want to know anywhere where I get any of these links, reach out to me, please. I will send them to you. Okay. Shall we go to a recipe? Super of quick. Course. Super quick. Pizza melts. Get yourself two slices of bread. I want you to put together a little butter concoction of some butter, some Parmesan, a little Italian seasoning. Spread that on both sides. Uh, spread that on each one side of the slice of bread. I'm trying to speed it along and I'm mixing this up. Then what you're going to do is place the butter side down onto your cutting board. On top of that, you're going to put the mozzarella. You're going to put um, a little bit of sauce, tomato pizza sauce. I like Rayo's. If you've never tried Rayo's, definitely give it a try. You just take a little bit of that sauce, put it on top, put some pepperoni on top, top it with some more mozzarella, get that other slice of bread, place that on top, put the butter side out, almost like you're making a grilled cheese. Put it in a pan, on a skillet, cook it over medium-high heat until the sides are golden. So take that knife or fork, tap it. If you hear that little tap, you're ready to eat. Awesome. Really great. Really quick now, Kitchen Confession Podcast coming out. Yes, Street Bites with Tony Bradshaw. So Tony Bradshaw, he's the founder of Street Bites. He's uh, Street Bites, which is here in Toronto. So he grew up in Barbados. He spent his summers working with his dad at a lot of at a vacation resort, where he first he fell in love with food, hospitality. So he walks us through his time working at some of, um, you know, Toronto's high end restaurants, or he worked at the CN Tower three hundred and sixty restaurant, Morton's nice. and Steakhouse oh. in Chicago, Vancouver, and then he finally opened his own Caribbean. Fast casual place here. Street Bites. Gotta try it. 
That's what I think. Thanks, Mary. Mayor Mamaliti of KitchenConfession.com, which is where you can go for all the details of recipes and conversations. Uh, plus, check out her podcast that is out right now, Kitchen Confession. Made that poor lady speak on uh, audiobook two times speed there for you, just to give you all the goods. We'll be back in a couple of moments to tell you what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. Welcome back to the program. If you want to check out the podcast, easy to do it, folks. Use your favorite podcast platform. Do a search and subscribe to Kelly and Company through AMI-audio. A lot of other great content in which you can also subscribe. Just browse through and uh, start a following, please. That's through your favorite podcast platform. Check out the Kelly and Company podcast where we have the complete show. Jeff Ryman today providing our audio vanity card for us on the end of that podcast. Or you can listen to the show, of course, in segment form. And at this point, we like to just take a look back at the program to see what maybe you know we want to mention as segments to suggest you may go back to. Mm. Ramya? <laughs> Exactly. You, know, you can't laugh and snore at the same time. That's not what uh, Margaret said. You don't need to start getting catching up on your sleep here. Oh, uh, what do you want to suggest for segments to go back to? Yeah, I suggest that everybody fall asleep. Just kidding. Uh, go back and listen to our sleep conversation with Margaret Eaton um, from CMHA. It was just good reminder. I think this stage we talk a lot about back to school this, back to school that. And um, sleep is one of the big ones that will be totally disturbed from summer to back to school is such a rough time um and i remember like i love sleep in general but going to uh the labor day monday and thinking oh the last day i get to stay up till 5 a.m or whatever ridiculousness it was and um yeah she she gave us some tips to kind of make things a bit more consistent in our daily lives for sleep and why it's important and how we all talk about being tired but do we take the time to actually get a good night's sleep Labor Day would be the first day of the summer that I would stay awake until five in the morning with anxiety about going back to school. Ugh. Oh my gosh. You slept uh, proper the rest of the summer? Oh yeah, because I didn't what? have to go to school. Shaq okay. was here, um, of course, for the buzz. We also had a bit of a, a, a school theme. We talked about a few things, security and some of the ideas that are out there that are being implemented to make schools safer. Definitely a worthwhile conversation. But then you start talking about privacy. A couple of items there that he had regarding students and hybrid schooling and uh, just a really interesting talk to make a stop and think, hmm, hmm how, how far do we go? How far back are we going in the way of of students and rights and privacy because i I think you get too carried away we're going to start getting some some demonstrations outcries of hey man you can't treat us this way um no matter what we're coming out of and and maybe i'm being a bit of an alarmist there but it's just some interesting things he had to talk about uh on on Mm -hmm. uh the buzz today uh rum let's take a look you've got it there for us what's coming up tomorrow is paul daniel is away on vacation uh, on now with dave brown you can find their show here live at uh, 9 a.m in the morning on ami also available as a podcast yeah and here's what they have in store for the thursday edition don dickinson our friend and producer on ami audio is previewing the guardian this week with an article on why a german publisher is pulling the winnetou book series off the shelves oh are we going to talk censorship here we'll see uh plus they have personal finance columnist aaron broverman discussing tipping culture that's going to be a very good one um and the expectations that come along with tipping Stephen Scott is 
going to be sharing news and updates on Double Tap Canada and their programming for the fall. I think mm-hmm. we know what's coming, Kelsey. Yeah, it is very yeah, exciting. Yeah. Well, and they also released this week the schedule for yep. AMI Audio has been out there. So, folks, you can find that as well up on the website and uh, kind of get peruse through, get your heads up. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very fun convo tomorrow uh, on all the stuff. Tipping is where it gets real juicy. Um, <laughs> and we know a lot of people are struggling right now with finances to begin with. So I think it's going well, to be a pretty big And one. with prices going up and, yes. you know, gas going up, you know, these people need their, their money, especially when you look at situations like Uber yeah. and you're seeing, oh, I'll order from McDonald's. What? Six dollars? And also Forget. we want to go out because yeah. we miss it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, and you still got to take care of the people there that are serving you and realize they're in the same boat. We'll talk to you as you're back with Brock tomorrow. Uh, I'll talk to you in the in September, actually, Rum. I know, it's going to take a while. Thanks, wow. Kels. Talk soon. Michael Fair on the program features Moriarty, The Devil's Game, a recent podcast addition to the Audible Plus uh, catalog, folks. Fern Lullum gets a head start on preparing us... The Canadian line hockey team announced their 2022-23 roster last week. We learn more with Luca DeMontis, Director of Hockey Operations for Canadian Blind Hockey. Also, we have the Thursday buzz with Bill Shackleton. Then we'll flip through some quirky stories from around the world uh, with Jeff Ryman on What in the World. And our guest for this week's roundtable conversation is Grant Hardy, AMI-TV reporter in Vancouver. Kelly and Company returns to the air at 2 p.m. Eastern. Please join us, folks. I'm waving at you. Hey guys, Jeff here, and I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling excited. The reason being is that I am on holidays next week. And it's not just your typical holidays. I'm going to my old cottage. And for those of you who may not know, my family had a cottage for over 50 years. And we ended up having to sell just a couple years ago because my dad's health was not in great condition. Uh, My grandma was getting up there in age. The grandchildren like myself, I mean, uh, it's really hard to upkeep a cottage. So it was just time to let it go. Although, we ended up selling to my dad's best friend, which feels great because he's going to be able to enjoy the cottage and have those experiences with his young family uh, in the same way that I was able to growing up. But he is very nice enough to give the cottage to my family for an entire week. So I have had this week circled on my calendar for quite some time because I haven't been up there in about two years or so. Um, My dad goes up still quite frequently, that lucky guy. Uh, But for me personally, this is a very special moment to go back to my cottage somewhere where, like I said, I have so many childhood memories. So yeah, this is not just uh, any typical vacation or holiday. This is sort of uh, reliving my childhood and, and getting back to my old cottage. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. 
That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.